students. Welcome to the beginning of the end, Dante's The Divine Comedy 2019 Lecture 17B Epilogue. The Descent, Ascent of Satan, and Exit to the Stars, Cantos. It says 33 to 34, but we're only going to be doing Canto 34 today. Slides 327 to 342. Let's remember where we are. We have just witnessed Satan down in the ninth circle, the ninth circle along the frozen river, the fourth river of the Inferno, the frozen river of Cositus. Down here, we have met in Cana, Boca, and Antonora. We met Ruggieri, Count Ruggieri, or excuse me, Archbishop Ruggieri, and Count Ugolino. We've been through Ptolemaea, where we met Frater Alberigo, and now we are seeing these three arch sinners, arch sinners, because they are the worst of the worst sinners, being chewed eternally by Satan. Call. Satan has three faces, one in the front, red, two above his shoulders, black and yellow. The person in the front being not only chewed face first, but also being rended, clawed by Satan's claws, is Judas Iscariot, for whom the fourth and final region of Cositus, the ninth circle of hell, is named Judeca. And so, on the sides, there are, uh, in the yellow and the black head, are Mark Antony, or not Mark Antony, I'm trying to say funny things now, are Cassius and Brutus. Cassius and Brutus, uh, actually against the knowledge of Mark Antony, helped to conspire to kill Julius Caesar, who was a secular ruler on the world, just as Judas conspired by taking 30 pieces of silver to, uh, to kill a sacred figure or a sacred king in the world. And so because these men betrayed their rightful lords, their benefactors so-called, they are eternally chewed without being digested. It is like they are something that cannot... If, if you think of our language, we say, think on this, digest it for a little while. And we use uh, metaphors of consumption when we talk about thinking something through. It's as if what they've done is so unthinkable that we can never fully digest it, that we can never fully understand it. It's like we cannot understand the essence of betrayal. In any case, now that we've seen Satan, Virgil very quickly says, well... We've seen all there is to see. Let's climb on his haunches and climb down him. So notice here, looking at this image by Doré, you see that you can see about half of Satan. What is happening? This will help you be a little less confused when I do a little reorienting for you here. And reorientation, you might say, is the whole, uh, uh, is the whole purpose of education and certainly of the inferno. To orient you towards high things, noble things, ethereal, intangible things rather than vulgar, material things. In any case... What Virgil and Dante are going to do, Virgil is going to climb onto Dante, or excuse me, Dante is going to climb onto Virgil's back. Virgil is then going to grab the fur of Satan, he apparently has fur, and start climbing down him into the ice. Now, I'm going to read what happens and then explain how it happens, and you might be a little bit confused, but you'll be able to listen to this as many times as you would like. So, when we had reached that point at which the thigh revolves, that's the top of the thigh, where the hip is, just at the swelling of the hip, my guide with heavy strain and rugged work, remember that uh, Dante is on his back as he climbs down the legs of Satan, reversed his head to where his legs had been. So he goes upside down and grappled on the hair as one who climbs. I thought we were going back to hell. Hold tight, my master said. He panted like a man exhausted. It is by such stairs that we must take our leave of so much evil. Then he slipped through a crevice in a rock, placed me on the edge of it to sit. That done, he climbed toward me with steady steps. I raised my eyes. 
believing I should see the half of Lucifer that I had left, the top half. Instead, I saw him with his legs turned up. He sees him upside down rather than right side up. And if I then became perplexed, do let the ignorant be judges, those who cannot understand what point I had just crossed. And I always wonder whether that counts as apostrophe. In any case, get up, my master said. Be on your feet. The way is long. The path is difficult. The sun's already packed to middle tierce. So it's like the beginning of the day, almost the middle of the day. It was no palace hall, the place in which we found ourselves, but with its rough-hewn floor and scanty light, a dungeon built by nature. Before I freed myself from this abyss, master, I said when I had stood up straight, tell me enough to see I don't mistake. Where is the ice? And how is he so placed head downward? Tell me, too, how has the sun in so few hours gone from night to morning? Three good questions. And he to me, you still believe you are north of the center, where I grasp the hair of the damned worm who pierces through the world. World. Remember that uh, Cerberus was also described as a worm, something that just consumes, 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 that's also blind. And you were there as long as I descended. And, but when I turned, that's when you passed the point to which from every part all weights are drawn. And now you stand beneath the hemisphere opposing that which cloaks the great dry land, and underneath whose zenith died the man whose birth and life were sinless in this world. That's Jesus, obviously. Your feet are placed upon a little sphere that forms the other face of the Judeca. Here it is morning, when it's evening there. And he whose hair has served us as a ladder, Satan, is still fixed even as he was before. This was the side on which he fell from heaven, for fear of him, the land that once loomed here, made of the sea a veil and rose into our hemisphere. And that land which appears upon this side, perhaps to flee from him, left here this hollow space and hurried upward created the mountain of purgatory. There is a place below, the limit of that cave, its farthest point from Beelzebub, that's Satan, a place one cannot see, is discovered by ear. There is a sounding stream that flows along the hollow of a rock eroded by winding waters, and the slope is easy. My guide and I came on that hidden road to make our way back into the bright world, and with no care for any rest we climbed, he first, I following, until I saw through a round opening some of those things of beauty, heaven bears. It was from there that we emerged to see once more the stars. Very good, very good. All right, so what does all of that mean? Okay, this is what Virgil has just now explained to us. He has explained to us, A, the creation of hell, B, why uh, Satan is stuck head first into the ground, though he uh, thought that he should look right side up. He's actually upside down when he gets to this new place. He has explained that we have transitioned from the northern hemisphere to the southern hemisphere, and so we must reorient how we see things. Obviously, people on the southern hemisphere, uh, they would look upside down to us, but they are not upside down to themselves. We would be upside down to them. I'll explain what that means, and uh, we'll explain why it is that Satan is immobile. So, how was hell created? Well, according to Dante, Lucifer literally fell out of heaven. There was a literal fall, just like Hephaestus' fall from Olympus, on which Milton's uh, fall of Lucifer from Paradise Lost is based. So, he fell headfirst from heaven, created a hole in the ground, and stuck there. Well, he's still stuck there. And, actually, he seems to have fallen from the southern hemisphere, not the northern hemisphere, because in the northern hemisphere, he's right side up. But if he fell face first, then he fell face first, head first into the ground. He's stuck head first into the ground. So, his legs still stick up, upside down in the southern hemisphere, 
where his head appears right side up on the northern hemisphere. So as Dante and Virgil are climbing down his legs, they go from the northern hemisphere, where he's right side up, into the southern hemisphere, where he's upside down, and Virgil has to turn upside down so that whereas he was climbing downwards like this, now he's climbing upwards up the bottom of the legs to where the feet would be and to a path. And that is what that means. That took me years to understand how that worked. And now I know perfectly, and now so do you. So, Lucifer is still stuck headfirst into the ground, and that is why when Dante changes hemispheres from the northern hemisphere to the southern hemisphere and down switches to up, that Dante, who looked right side up while climbing down him, now appears, or that he, who appeared right side up as he was being climbed down, Lucifer, now appears upside down after Virgil switches directions and starts to climb up so, uh, Lucifer's thigh, towards his calf, towards his foot, to the hidden path. All right. Good, good, good. And then just one last bit to add a little bit of allegorical interpretation. We've been moving towards seeing the creatures in hell, moving towards the giants, moving towards those who are totally immobile and voiceless and Cositis, the sinners, those who are just groaning and in pain within the mouths of Lucifer and Lucifer himself who is immobile and voiceless and is only using his mouth to consume, not to generate. Well, this seems to be suggesting or pushing us toward an interpretation that Evil is not a substance unto itself, much like we know that uh, St. Augustine, who be believed that evil was the privatio boni, the, um, the privation of good, um, so does Dante seem to believe that. He seems to believe that evil only receives substance. Evil is only real in this world insofar as you do evil, a human. Insofar as a human uses their will, their ill will, their malevolence, and their intellect, their evil intellect, or their malice, insofar as a human uses their will based on their intelligence to do something they know is wrong, that is why evil exists for Dante. Which is, I think, a fascinating claim. It's almost like he's saying the good things in the world which are good, which are brought about, are brought about by good intentions and uh, good in actions and benevolence. And the bad things in the world, especially the worst things in the world, are brought about through malevolence, evil will. And the only creature with a will is the only creature with an intellect, and that, and that creature which walks the earth is a human. And so the source of evil in all existence for Dante is man. Interestingly enough. Huh. Well, here are some images. I wanted to give you some images of Lucifer here. These are images based on Dante's Lucifer. You can see here him trapped uh, between two hemispheres. You see that even though he's upside down because he fell face first, th this is how he looks from the northern hemisphere, but if we turn it upside down, this is how he looks from the southern hemisphere. This is actually a very creepy part. There are a bunch of frozen souls in the ice there right around him. Um, and you can see him rending Judas there. Here's another fairly creepy illumination where he's eating three figures. Uh, Lucifer, Lucer, <laughs> Lucifero is uh, how you would say his name in Italian. Lucifero, I suppose. And you can see Judas Iscariot up there. Latin doesn't have a J, that's why. Um, Alright, another image here. Him sort of entwined in the middle. Sort of grotesque here. He seems to have a pelvis face that's also eating a sinner in this image. And then this is sort of a gonzo image of him with, again, three faces, though not very humanoid. 
not very human. All right, let's finish. Let's get to the epilogue of this epilogue. Let's get to the end of this beginning of the end. The hidden road up. Virgil and Dante climb a hidden road. Apparently this hidden road is so well hidden that you cannot see it. You must hear it. You must hear it with your ears. There is a, a stream which is eroded rock, which means that this uh, stream has existed for an extremely long amount of time. It takes quite a bit of time to erode rock, which we all know, uh, being near La Jolla, whose cliffs are constantly eroding. And then this canticle ends with the stars. And the note that I told you much earlier in this course, but we'll reiterate again, is that every single canticle, Inferno, Purgatorio, and Paradiso, ends with the word in Italian, stella, from which we get the word stellar or interstellar, which means, in our language of English, stars. They see the stars, which, if you really want to think philosophically, allegorically, it might suggest to you that the Inferno, Purgatorio, and Paradiso are all the same place, viewed from a different perspective. Almost as if the Inferno, Purgatorio, and Paradiso are not physical places, but rather psychological places. Ways of looking at the world, ways of living in the world, ways of being. Interesting. Hmm. And then, of course, as you can see in this beautiful image of Dante and Virgil looking at the stars with Virgil pointing up at one of them, this seems to be an allegory for what education is supposed to be. Two people, at least, sharing a moment of contemplation of the heavens. That means of eternal things, trying to figure things out. And, ideally, in conversation. The ideal of the inferno and of the ideal educational situation is also the ideal we share here when we commit to seminar. And so the idea is that you look up and you make connections together and you share them with each other. And that, at, that, that is the height of human culture and that that, in fact, is the essence of human culture. Learning truth together and sharing it by means of speech. And that that is essentially the opposite of everything that we have seen happening in the inferno, which is where people use language dishonestly not to learn but to excuse their poor behavior in order to damn or destroy their society and their very souls, beings in this case. Hmm. Very deep. Outside of hell, everything now is flipped upside down. We see that Lucifer, who we thought was right side up, is flipped upside down. Virgil was first climbing down, and then he was climbing up. And in fact, now we are at a mountain where we were at a hollow funnel. Now, instead of descending in a counterclockwise, or excuse me, a clockwise way, always going to the left, we will be ascending in a counterclockwise way, like a corkscrew, uh, reversed. And so purgatory is a place of inversion from hell. It is an opposite sort of place. It is a place where things are looking up, where you can see the stars, where things will change and time will pass, and therefore a very specific virtue that was denied to hell that no sinner in hell can have because they are denied the good of the intellect, as we know from the first nine lines of Canto 3, uh, based on the gate of hell. What is that one virtue I've forgotten it? We've been so we've been down in the darkness for so long I forgot what it was called. Does anybody recall that four-letter virtue that requires a vision of the future, the, uh, a certain expectation of Future glory, Dante will define it as, yes, hope. Hope indeed. Hope re-enters our lives. And you might want to look at that allegorically, too. It's like the difference between, if you accept the allegorical, psychological interpretation of the relationship between Inferno and Purgatorio, it's like the difference between being in heaven and hell 
It's not the circumstance you find yourself in, but what you think you can do about it, and whether you have a hope for the future. Because what you'll see in the Purgatorio is the punishments are just as bad as the punishments in the Inferno. Just as painful and actively taken on. And yet the big difference is that one day those punishments will be gone through. One day those sinners will be expiated. One day they will be in a state of grace. Hmm. Powerful stuff. Powerful stuff. And that's where we end the Inferno. Congratulations, students. You've done excellent work.